Welcome to the Unsweetened Sayo podcast. My name is Siobhan Harris. I am a certified integrative nutrition health coach and the founder of unsweetenedsayo.com. I gave up all sugar and all flour on January 13th, 2018, and am finally free of my addiction. My mission is to help other sugar addicts find their path to freedom and live the sweet life without sugar. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 154 of Unsweetened Sayo, the podcast. Today, we have a really special guest with us. Erica was born and raised in Miami, Florida. She graduated from the University of Florida and later attended law school at Stetson University College of Law. She currently lives in Miami, where she owns and operates her law practice together with her husband. Erica identifies as a food addict. After years of struggling with her weight and subscribing to the diet culture mentality, Erica became abstinent from sugar and flour on August 27th, 2021. She created a network of supportive family and friends and believes firmly in the principle of just for today. Erica and her husband have two little boys and a rescue dog named Leroy. Welcome, Erica. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Siobhan. Thank you for having me. And another kind of little side note for everyone listening is Erica actually participated in my uh, group coaching program last fall. And so um, I love this full circle. And I think she found out about me from the podcast, from my podcast and reached out and we started talking and we, you know, she got her signed up for the group coaching. And now here she is celebrating, you know, a year of abstinence and is going to share her story on the podcast. So this is really special to me. And I just love the full circleness of all of this. So thank you so much for for sharing with us today. So yeah, let's just kind of get started with a little bit of your background story, you know, as far as, you know, when you kind of knew you maybe you were struggling with with food and sugar and flour, especially, and kind of what that journey looked like for you. So whenever I think about the beginning, I think that there's two beginnings. The, the most recent beginning was during the pandemic. And, um, I think it was during that time period that I realized that I had a very unhealthy relationship with food but I didn't understand what was wrong. I think looking back and and just what is presented to us in society, you know, diet is the fix. All the diets um, is the fix. And, um, you know, it it wasn't until my husband's um, addiction and, and learning about addiction through him in 2019. And then, um, going into therapy with him and then paying attention to my relationship with food in 2020, that it became very clear to me that I was addicted to food. Um, and, and then I learned through podcasts 
and um, through some support groups, some online support groups that I attended that sugar and flour were a big, big part of that addiction because food is so different than drugs and alcohol, right? Like we have to eat food to live. Um, we can't be abstinent from food. So what do you do? And then it was through listening to some of the podcasts. And this is totally a full circle moment because I remember exactly where I was. I was listening to a different podcast. You were a guest on that podcast and you were so open. You were so vulnerable. And I related so much to you specifically about your eating habits when it came to also parenting, like, like that connection. I related so much to you. And I said, I don't know who this person is. I don't know where she is, but I'm going to reach out. And I probably hesitated to email you. And, you know, I'm just so glad I did because um, meeting you and doing your program was pivotal in my recovery. It was just huge. Um, so, yeah. So I know I kind of gave you a big, that that was the, the first beginning, I would say. Um, that was very much in my face. Um, I'm a food addict. But then when you look back, you realize, wait a second, the beginning was there when I was a little girl and I knew like which, which of my friends had the better pantry or, you know, I could always just eat more than my cousins or, you know, food was always just so, so comforting for me. So then there's that beginning too. Um, but you don't realize that until you start speaking the addiction language and until you start getting into support groups and therapy and all of that, that's when you start realizing, you know what, this was always there. It just blew up for me when I had two little boys, when my husband went to rehab and when the pandemic hit, <laughs> like it just blew it all open. The perfect storm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And so I love that, you know, you really, your first kind of introduction to to addiction was with your husband's recovery. And I remember you saying that to me, like, you know, in one of our earlier sessions of how you realize like, oh my gosh, everything I'm learning about addiction with him, I can apply to food, you know? And, and that's what is so interesting about how it's not medically recognized as an, you know, addictive thing, but really if you apply the criteria that's in place for addiction. Yeah. You can check all those boxes when it comes to food. So it was kind of neat because you got some education <laughs> and then it was kind of like those light bulb moments for you of like, wait a minute, like I do this. It was, um, I don't know that I could have done a year more abstinent without understanding, without the educational component of it, because it's just so difficult to accept that you cannot do the thing that you love to do. And I had a moment, it was during lockdown that I, after I listened to like an OA meeting and it, I, at that, at that point I had already worked with my therapist and at that point it was just so clear to me. I couldn't, I couldn't run from it. Cause I think I was still, I had read a book I had read a book, um, Kay, is it Kay Shepard's book? Mm -hmm. What's it called? Um, well, she has, I forget now. The, the main one, the the big one. I can't remember what it's called. I read that book 
I was working with my therapist and then I go to this meeting and I'm like, I can't run from this. This is actually, I, I too have this issue. And I just laid in bed and I was sobbing and I was like, why, why? Because I knew that the only answer, the only solution was abstinence. And I was devastated. And I still, it, it was probably still a few months um, after that moment that I didn't reach out to you and joined your group. But taking that time to sort of mourn what was what was about to happen um, and um, really accept it proved to be such a good foundation because I was committed. I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do if my husband's abstinent and he has um, a sponsor and he has a therapist and he's talking about it, then I need to do the same thing. I need to find my group. Um, and that's what I did. And again, that's such like a gift too, because a lot of people, again, being able to see your husband and what he needed to get abstinent and the support that he needed, you then could apply to yourself because like a lot of addicts like to try to do it on their own. I think especially around, you know, food addicts. And now there is a lot more awareness about it, a lot more groups, a lot more like, you know, support opportunities. But for some reason, it's not treated as seriously, maybe as alcoholism or drugs or whatever. So, you know, a lot of people just try to still diet their way out of the addiction. And, you know, that doesn't work. So I was looking up Kay Shepherds. I'm like, what is her book called? But she has like, she actually has one on food. It's basically food addiction. The body knows. The body knows. The body knows. And it has like a self-diagnostic test lets you know exactly. if you have food addiction. So yeah, you really can go through that criteria and be like, yep, yep. Exactly. <laughs> I had, uh, so the therapist that my husband and I work with, she's she's an expert in, in addiction. And um, our first few meetings were mainly focused on me as the spouse, what the spouse of an addict goes through. And I, I, I'll never forget, it was, we were probably like on our fifth or sixth session. So we felt very comfortable with each other. And she just turned the tables on me and she, I, I made a comment about how I use food to cope. And she just said, oh, so you're a food addict. Mm. And I remember, I remember I was just stunned. I was quiet and I knew it was the truth, but I was not ready to accept it. And, she, and she's funny. I think when she sees that somebody's struggling, she says, okay, well, why don't you try this? Set your boundaries and see if you can keep them. Um, so I tried and I couldn't keep them. I couldn't keep, um, I think I tried keto at first. And I lasted a week and I withdrew on keto. That was another indicator to me. That first week of removing sugar, sugar, because on keto, you don't have to remove all flour. I withdrew. And I, I was like, what's the difference between what I'm feeling right now and what my husband was feeling the first week he was at detox? No difference. The difference was that my husband's insurance covered it. He went away. He wasn't around the kids and work. <laughs> And he had a laptop and a blanket and he, you know, not, I, I don't mean to simplify what he went through. It was big. And what, what people go through when they enter detox is huge, huge them and the family. But to a certain extent, when individuals accept the reality that they are dealing with a food addiction, breaking it and entering sobriety when it comes to food is very challenging because society doesn't accept it. It's not medically recognized. Um, all of those points. 
like you said, yeah, the insurance, you know, isn't covering it. There's not a lot of like, at least in the US, like treatment centers for food addiction, where you can go for 30 days. And like you said, I mean, you go through withdrawal, but at least it's in a, you know, you know, your kids aren't there and you're not trying all, you know, it, it's much more of a controlled environment, not to again, downplay at all how hard it still is. But there is a lot of us, it's just, it's just a really good point that I don't know if I've ever really talked about on the podcast. I'm glad you kind of brought that up. It, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's not like most of us have that opportunity um, to kind of be away from family and triggers and all the things like we're, we're, we're trying to go, you know, give up our substances while we're still managing all the stress that we use to cope, you know, where we're using that food to cope with. And especially with, with young kids, you know, that I know that's what really drew you to me because when I, you know, my kids were, well, it was like five years ago. So we're like two and three, you know, when I first gave it up and that's a really demanding time, you know? Um, so yeah. And that's a really hard time to go through withdrawal <laughs> and not and feel your best. <laughs> yeah. There's something about that age too, because you know, when you have a newborn, you get a lot of support, you know, from, it's just common to get support when you have a newborn, right? And then, you know, they enter that toddler age, and that toddler age can be really challenging. And oftentimes, in a lot of families, it's during that toddler age that you're bringing in, you know, the second one, um, if you want to have your kids close in age. And um, I think my husband and I really, really felt that that was such a, a difficult time we were going the kids were going through sleep regressions you know we're both working professionals um we both leaned heavily on what we knew had worked for us in college in law school as teens you know we did we used we reached for the coping mechanisms that um we always had, I had always leaned on food in college and law school um, and as a young professional for comfort and for coping. But this was a totally different ballgame. This was, you know, when you're not sleeping and when you have an appeal due and, you know, when um, life is just really coming at you, food isn't going to do it. The drugs for my husband, it was Adderall and Benzos. I'm not sure if I've ever told you specifically um, and he's given me permission to discuss um, some of the stuff that's going on because he knows our recoveries are so intertwined. Um, so, you know, he leaned on on prescription medication and alcohol and um, it, it works for a while and then it doesn't work. And then what do you do? What do you do? How do you give it up? How do you stop? Um, you, you try to cut back and that doesn't work. Maybe you can cut back for a week, maybe a day, but when that doesn't work, what do you do? And um, it was, we both had to answer that question. And I think that we had a decision to make. Either we were going to go our separate ways because our marriage was in a really bad place in that summer of 2019, very, very bad place. Um, and I am so lucky. I didn't know any addicts that summer. I, I didn't know addiction at all. I didn't know anything about it. I thought it was something that happened to other people. Um, but I knew, fortunate for me, I had a, a colleague of mine who had posted on Facebook a year prior 
She was celebrating her husband's fifth year of sobriety. And thank goodness she had that post because I remembered, she's like, she's the only person that I know. I'm going to reach out to her. And um, she was wonderful. She was like, this is what, you know, happened. And it ended up being a blessing for our marriage. And, um, but both people have to work because um, what you learn is that both individuals have a role to play in this recovery. Um, so I ended up going to some Al-Anon meetings and I learned about the spouse's role in it. And we went to therapy and we did the whole thing. And, you know, he did detox, he did rehab, he did AA meetings, he got a sponsor. I simultaneously kind of followed through and, um, it, 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 our story has a happy ending right now. Um, and I, I recognize that that's not the case for everybody. Um, and I think that this is a blessing and this is a gift. My husband and I view our recoveries as a gift for our children. We are better parents because of it. I think I, I think I told you that one of the reasons why I started your program was because I felt like I was like an angrier mom. Like I was so quick to, um, to, to, to yell at my kids. And, but at the same time, then I'd feel guilt because they're just kids. And I didn't need to react that way. I, I knew I could have handled it better, but I was just always so in need of a fix. I was always so quick to like, just fall off the wagon, the, 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 my, the handle. And I can't remember the saying, but, um, and, and I, I needed to clean up my act. I need to take responsibility for what I was doing. And what I was doing was, was everything from, you know, eating multiple times a day, whatever, you know, whatever I could get my hands on to throwing away a piece of cake and then going into the garbage can to get it. It was to thinking, thinking about food all the time. I, if I knew that I had to go to like a new courthouse in a different location, I wasn't really thinking about the case or the judge or who I was going to, I was thinking about like what restaurants were nearby. It was just out of control. That, that summer, it was so clear to me that this is, this is really dangerous. And um, that's how I knew that it's, it's a very difficult reality to face. It's very embarrassing. There's shame that goes along with it. Um, but all that stuff gets worked through and is still a work in progress to this day. I mean, I know that this is something that I'll be, um, that it's, it's with me for life. I don't think that I'm going to be cured of it. I recognize that. And same with, you know, your husband too, you know, once you're an addict and, you know, we all know how the disease that of addiction can progress. And so it's both of you, which I love though, like you're, you're making a really good point in that both people you know, really have a role to play. And now you're playing these different roles in each other's recovery too, you know? So if you can both continue to grow and evolve, I mean, that just makes really the potential for this really amazing relationship, you know? Um, so I really love that. So you decided, you know, on August 27th of last year, you know, how did you kind of get to that point of, okay, you know, I'm doing this and- the buildup was, I think I had told you, I had tried keto like nine months before and didn't work. And then I tried another, another restrict, like no sugar, no flour. And only, it was too restrictive. It was the one that you had to weigh and measure your food three times and you could only eat three times a day. 
And I lasted a little longer on that, but not, not entirely. And then I, I, I have a lot of summer birthdays. I have, you know, my son's birthdays in June, my birthdays, July, and then my son's birthday was August. And so I just, I went down, down, down the eating hole during all of those birthdays. And I remember I signed up for your program. Your program wasn't going to start till September, but my son's birthday was August 21st. And I ordered a huge cake. And this is something that I did. And I'm, I've gotten a lot better about it. Just, I can't even gauge portions. Like I'm the person that buys way too much food. Um, and initially I think, well, I just don't know who's going to show up, but it's got to come from a place of like, I want to eat all this food. <laughs> um, and so after my son's birthday, I saved, I put most of the cake in the freezer, but what I was doing was every day I was going for it. And I was even eating like frozen cake every day, every day, every day for a week. And then I think I emailed you and I said, I have, I'm going to start, I'm going to start right away. I know the program doesn't start till I think it was going to start like mid-September but I'm just going to do it. Um, and I leaned on what my husband did, which is just focus on the day, like just that one day. And in the beginning, that's how I, I just did it for that day. And I think I had, you had given me some pointers on stuff to keep in the fridge and what episodes of your show to listen to. So I listened to some of those early episodes. Um, and like a rule follower. I said, this is what I'm going to do just to get me to the, to the beginning of your session. And then once I was in your group, I was already like a little bit ahead of everybody. And there was some comfort there because then listening to everybody speak about the first week and then the second week, I, I was reminded of where I was. And it just, I think I remember either six weeks or eight weeks being a big turning point. Cause I remember that was the first time that I thought, I don't think I ever want to go back. And that was huge. And I was like already in the group and we had discussed it. And um, so yeah, that's, that's how, that's how I got to the, the, the place of um, making this a part of my life. It yeah, was ugly. It was ugly before it got beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> which is true for most of us. And yeah, I feel like sometimes that happens too. I did kind of the same thing. Well, I'd had like January 1st ha, ha, ha. in my mind is my start date, but it's almost like I had to make myself so sick before. Like, mm -hmm. I can just see you like eating the cake every morning, just like enough. I got to do it today. And then you kind of went with that. And I think that was really nice. And that happened in my group since too, where some people have already been sugar and free for a little bit. Some people are just starting and it actually is a really nice, um, I don't know, it, 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 it's really nice within the, the group though, in this community, because it's like, um, kind of leaning on each other at different times. And for the people that have been a little absent, a little more, it's good reminders still for me again, I'm going to be five years in January and I get so much out of every group that I do because it reminds me and gets me back in touch with the, the earlier stages of my recovery. And I just think that is really powerful. And the whole, you know, again, I did this my first year without any kind of community. And I just don't recommend that because now I just see how incredible and important it is. And, you know, we do accountability partners in the group coaching program. And I know you're still in touch with yours. Like, 
And that I hear that all the time from my groups. Like the, these are people that make friendships that, that are, are for life because it's other, you need those, you need your friends and your family, but you need the people that get it too, you know, and you can just call up and say, this is what's going on. And they immediately understand and know. Um, so I think it's so, so important to have those people that just get it and speak our language, if you will. You know, when you're talking about, yeah, like putting a piece of cake in the trash and then taking it out. I'm like, uh-huh. Yep. Done that. Coupled. Yep. Oh yeah. A lot of times, you know? Um, and if you said that to like probably another friend, they'd be like, what? <laughs> I agree. I have incredible friends that I'm sure don't understand it. And, and listen, I don't understand. I can have a glass of wine. I don't need a second. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I do. I do understand. But before I spoke the language of addiction, I could see why I would look at an alcoholic and be like, why can't you just stop? You know? So I, um, I agree so much that part of this journey, sure, you can do it alone, but I think that's a lot of white knuckling. A big part of this is addicts need each other. We need each other, whether you are, are abstinent one day, 10 years, we're still addicts and we just, we need each other. And, and I, I'm floored. I, I was floored the first time I went to an AA meeting and I, I almost think this should be part of like the curriculum at some point in high school or college because it's so profound to see a room full of the most genuine, the most honest, the most raw human beings. Therefore, good everybody there everybody there's is striving for good and it's very powerful um so that was the first introduction that i got oh this guy's been sober for 10 years and this guy's you know this is his first day and and this is this is the synergy that's needed to make this happen i get it i understood it right away and that vulnerability like you're talking about especially is so needed you know when we look at social media, for instance, and oh, every everyone's happy and perfect. Like so much of us are showing that side, but not the real, like it is so powerful. And that's what, you know, I always say in my groups, this is a safe spot. You know, we're just going to be our authentic selves. You don't have to pretend you don't, you know, if you, we have had many, many sessions where people are crying or whatever, and we're supporting each other. And that is where like the real healing is, you know, and being able to, you know, not have to be pretend <laughs> that you have it all together and that life is perfect. Um, I just think I, there's- I love that um, you, you, so you just brought up social media and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't fully understand the relationship here, but it was probably around that six, eight week mark in your group. I don't remember if I told you, I think, I think we talked about it in one of the meetings. I felt the need to take the social media off my phone. And I don't know what the connection is. I don't know if seeing certain images was making me feel bad about myself. And then this is all subconscious and then making me want to go eat. But I, I know what it is. I was doing it too much. I was so aware of my behavior now that I had taken the food out. I just caught myself doing it way too much. So, um, I took it off my phone and it's still off my phone. I now have access to it on my computer, um, but it's it's limiting and it's better. But 
I'd be really curious to know definitively like what that relationship is, but I felt the urge to take it off. And that was another wonderful gift in this process, which is that's one less thing. And my days are better when I, when there's been multiple days that continuous days where I'm not checking social media, it just feels better. Yeah. It's another addictive substance for people. So, you know, when they say addictions are transferable, you know, there's a lot of alcoholics that give up alcohol, but then there's donuts at every meeting and then right. they start smoking. So then they have a nicotine sugar problem and sugar. So it's easily transferable. So yeah, I think a lot of us were still as we're in, especially in early recovery, you're looking because all this uncomfortable stuff is coming up then, and you don't have that mechanism, you know, coping mechanism anymore. You're trying to do it differently. And then, so those things can kind of sneak in like, Oh, I'm on social media a little bit more. And so that's really good that you recognize that. And I do remember when you took it off your phone and that's usually when, you know, like we talked a lot too in the group about some people can eat nuts. Some people can have a glass of wine, like you're saying, and then other people can't it's when it starts becoming those obsessive thoughts or all you're looking forward to is, you know, sitting down on Instagram for a while, or you're doing that instead of doing something else you should be doing. Or, you know, with like, you know, the nuts, the people that can't stop eating them or one glass of wine turns into two into three. I mean, all those things, it's so different for all of us. You almost have to do this like life audit and see kind of what comes up. and, And that's, you know, also nice. And really, I think what's it been for me also so interesting in the groups that I do is just seeing everyone go through that process. And it's really empowering once you start kind of identifying those things. So I'm just curious, I know people listening are like, okay, so you've been a year, you know, sugar and flour free, maybe look back and let us tell us some of like your biggest victories and maybe some of your biggest challenges when you kind of look back through that year. Hmm. I would say probably the big, those days that are known for food. So the holidays, the birthdays. What about your trip to Disney? I still remember that. My trip to Disney. That was Legoland. Oh, Legoland. That's right. That was pretty early on. I was like, the only thing I can eat here is a turkey leg. (laughs) That was it. And I was, I was never like, I had never had a turkey leg before, but it was delicious. Um, yeah, those big things. Um, and, and but those are also so so a pattern that I've picked up on is that I can gear up and I can be really prepared for the big moments, um, and I don't feel an urge, but it almost never fails. It's the evening after, the evening after the event, or the day after that I really have to control or or get help, like tell my husband what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling, because I, I feel like, oh, you did so good. Maybe you don't have a problem. Oh, you know, um, and, and there's that side, but then I quickly just remind myself that that's what everybody says and that that's not true. But the urge is still there. You know, that red dog thinking, and it's, it it just keeps trying to sneak in there, you know, like, oh yeah, Yeah. you got this. You did so well, you know, like you, you don't, or anyone. What's your reward going to be? Yeah. What's your, how am I going to reward myself Mm -hmm. for for that? Um, So that's always been very tricky. And, you know, if I've, 
because I, I think we, we have this in common too, this, I, I need to feel satisfied. And that was part of the reason why that second diet that I tried, I, I just, I wasn't feeling satisfied. So I've thrown myself a lot of grace this year, meaning that, you know, if I'm feeling that way and I'm going to eat a bowl of oatmeal and I'm going to throw a ton of berries and nuts on it, and that's going to keep me from reaching for um, a cookie or a slice of cake, then that's okay. That's okay for now. I, I'm, I am sure and I actually hope for myself that in the years to come, the recovery continues to refine itself. Um, I've thought of a lot of different things like my love for coffee now and now I have you know my coffee in the morning and then I have my latte in the afternoon and, and is there something going on there and um, there's just other tendencies and other behaviors it's, there are moments that I lean pretty heavy on the carbs and um, but if I bring my perfectionist thinking to this I will fail. I will, I will, because, because I know it because I've, I've failed in other diets. So I, I have to, I have to get comfortable in this space. I have to make it comfortable for myself. And that's why these original boundaries of no sugar, no flour. That's it. That's my boundary. No sugar, no flour. Um, and even the, for the first year I said no, like intense cardio, because I was the one that thought, well, if I ate that, I'll just do like a crazy workout the next day. And then I would say, you did this crazy workout. So you get to eat that amazing brunch or whatever. So I cut that out too. And I said, no, 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 we are only going to focus on no sugar, no flour. That is it. Um, and back to your original question of like, what's been your, your biggest success and, and, and the hardest it's, it's been those big moments um, that I've had to really check in, um, and, and pull on my resources after, after you're successful. And I, I was telling you before you started recording the one year, I was so amazed, but almost immediately after that amazement, it was like, do you really got to keep doing this? You know? And and, and the, that's the thing, the thoughts are always gonna be there. It's nowhere near where it was week one or week two, nowhere near that, but it's there. And and the way I describe it is like um, week one or you know the week before I started, it was like this roaring fire that was out of control, out of control. Um, and now it's like a really dim fire that it's there, the fire's there, it's a part of me, but it's, doesn't take over my personality. It doesn't take over me. I have thoughts that are not food related. I have a much healthier relationship with my kids and my husband. I feel so much more um, myself now than ever before. I love that. I was just going to ask you, what are some of the biggest benefits that you've seen? So, you know, you're kind of listing some, but can you even expand more on, you know, I am so much more controlled when it comes to the kids. I cannot tell you how explosive I was. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I was never physical or anything like that, but I would, you know, at bedtime in particular, you know, be very loud, 
And then once they were finally in their beds, I'd go straight for the refrigerator. It was like A and then B. There was a connection there. Um, and that does not happen anymore. Um, they, it's pretty rare for me to get loud. Um, and, and, and if I feel myself going there, I usually talk to my husband about it. Um, and it usually means that I haven't taken care of myself in some way that day. And I'll go for a walk and he says, I got it. So, um, that's been huge. Um, another big thing, and I know we don't talk too much about weight and I'm not going to, I don't, I don't want to focus on weight because in the beginning, um, I, I followed your rules. You said, don't weigh yourself. And I said, let's do it. I'm going to do exactly what you said. So I didn't weigh myself, but then eventually I did. I think, I think at the six month mark, it was the first time that I was like, I'm just curious. Um, so I did experience weight loss and, and, and I'm very careful when I start feeling the joy that comes with losing weight, because it's true. There's joy there, but for me and like you, there was a relationship between losing weight and then thinking, oh, that's good. Now I can reward myself. <laughs> so I'm really, really careful when I talk about the scale. Um, but that's a fact. Yes, I, I've lost weight and, um, but, I, but I, I'm putting that aside. Um, what other... And it took you a little while because I know like, you know, I share that with my story, you know, and I wasn't weighing myself, but I could just tell by my way my clothes fit. It took a while because I remember us talking about that and I had to remind you, it took me a little it while. It took me so longer a, than you. Yeah. It so it's a good example for people listening right now that really like keep, keep going. It will happen. It just, I think it just takes time for our body to repair and reset all the like damage we've done probably from years of dieting. For me, it was diet binge and then diet binge diet cycle. Um, so I remember that being a struggle point for you of being like, you know, big, cause I was like that point. too. Yeah. And I also, I haven't mentioned menopause. I, I know I've talked to you, but this, that's a big part of this too. So I went into early menopause it was 2018, but I didn't find out about it until 2019. 2019 was a wild year for us. But, and, and what I initially, I was like, oh, great, no periods, you know. But what I did not know about menopause is that what it does to the metabolism and the distribution of fat in a woman's body. Um, it's like the classic, if you see a woman over 55, 60, it's like the classic body, the, the fat deposits centered in the belly like in the back like they they start developing like back fat and so my body was changing so much in 2019 and it was bizarre i had never seen myself look like this even after having a child so i just knew i had to do something i knew that i couldn't eat the way i did in my 20s it's just and if you talk to anybody who's in their 50s and 60s, there's a lot of things that as we age, we can't do the way we used to do. There's a lot. There's athletes that can't run the way they used to run. There's, you know, people that can't drink the way they used to drink. And for me, entering into early menopause, I realized I couldn't eat the way I used to. 
And I can see that continuing. I can see myself having to cut back on caffeine and fats because of um, acid reflux. You know, it's just, it's a part of being human. It's a part of getting older. And I'm grateful that I have the tools to be able to do it, mm-hmm. to heal, to not hurt, all of that. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned, cause that's something I'm in like, and I know you're, you're young, you're younger than I am. Um, I'm 43 and I'm starting my perimenopause, like clockwork and talking to a lot of my friends, something about 42, we're like, what is going on? And something I haven't shared a lot on the podcast yet, but will this season is, uh, my, my, I, I've started expanding again. I don't weigh myself, but I can tell by the way my clothes fit. Like my shirts are tighter in my arms. My shorts were tighter this summer, and that hasn't been an issue for like four years. Where I was like, all of a sudden having these thoughts again about my body that weren't good. Like, oh, is this going to fit today? And it was like, oh my gosh, I haven't had to think about that in years. Nothing's changed. It's my hormones that are changing. And yeah, I'm going to, so I'm going to really share that a lot this season, but also um, I'm going to have some hormone experts come on and really talk about that perimenopausal years and the menopausal years and how our bodies differ so much and some tools and support around that because it can be a very, very triggering time. And I just had Bitten Johnson on the podcast before you. And, um, you know, she was telling me in her recovery, she was, I think she put it, she was up, she could have filled a bathtub with chocolate and just laid in it during her perimenopause, menopause years. It's just these cravings. So I've been struggling with cravings again, too, that I haven't had in years. So I'm really addressing other, you know, trying to get to the root cause of it, where a lot of women will go to like a regular medical doctor. And they're told to go on like hormonal birth control, which is such, you know, again, I'm going to leave that to the experts that I'm going to bring onto the show to explain that. But I'm just glad that you brought that up. Because it is such a even tough time for for women and the hormones that come into that it's just something that we again have to be open to like you're saying kind of continually to evolve our diet because what works for us today and in the beginning even your first year your second year is gonna evolve and your third year I know mine has a lot um and especially kind of as as we're aging and then you know postmenopausal years too it's going to look different so i'm really glad that you brought that up because i just think it's really important to realizing it's not like oh this is it now it this is the i found it it's going to work forever you have to keep tweaking and adjusting if you can come from a place of like curiosity about that it makes it a lot more fun than you know making it like a, a i don't know something to dread but you mentioned tools and we're kind of almost at the end of our time, but I want you to talk about for you, because I think this is so critical. Again, first step is just getting off the sugar and the flour, but that, as we know, then it's just such a small part of recovery. So what are some of the tools that you use, you know, if they're on a daily basis or a weekly, monthly, because I've got tools, you know, that I need every day, some that once a week, once a month, what are some of your favorite tools Um, do you think for just kind of keeping that recovery strong every day? So the biggest tool I'd say, looking back at this past year is honesty. Um, One of the phrases that I learned through my husband's recovery is you're only as, you're only as sober as your secrets, that saying. 
um, you know, it's that voice, it's those thoughts is it's, I can keep thinking that way. I can keep having those thoughts that draw me to the foods, or I can mention it to my husband, or I can call a girlfriend, or I can email you or, and, and, and it's the reaction or the way I'm going to handle that moment is very different. Um, so being very honest about what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking at that moment has helped me get through some of the most difficult and in the beginning having the group to say because you paired us up and you know a lot of the co earlier conversations with the person you're paired up with is like you barely know the person but you're going to be really vulnerable because you're in it together um so that's been my biggest tool and I'm lucky I have a, my husband that I I can say hey, um, I'm, I, I'm having a moment and I really am craving that. Um, and then we talk about it and whatever the, you know, we, we resolve it. Um, but if, if I didn't have my husband, I would create that network of support because that's, that's what's helped me a lot in this. Your program, your pro, I, I don't know that I would have gotten through those, those first, really challenging weeks or, or known tips and tricks. Like I learned, I don't remember if I learned, I think I learned this in the group, but when one of my big dinners out with my friends before my friends knew, eventually I, I was able to tell my friends, but there was a big dinner that we did for somebody's birthday and it, we were going to a Greek spot. And I remember looking at the menu before and seeing like all the things that I'm, I'm good to go. I, I can have, um, and then getting there. And what I didn't expect was that people were going to be like putting things on my plate. And um, so what I ended up doing was I just loaded up a bunch of salad over the item that I couldn't have. I don't remember what it was. And like, nobody knew. And it was just like, no. And you, you think about like all the things, but nobody knew. I just, and that was a trick. And so I think in the beginning, you need that support and it gets better. And the, the, the thoughts get quieter and, and, and you have the tools to get you through the difficult moments. So honesty, transparency, um, reaching out, speaking up, that's been my, 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 my crucial um, tool for this first year. And I love again that you, your husband speaks the language, you know, of addiction and you guys have yeah. each other that is so powerful. Um, so one last question before we end, I'm curious if like now thinking, okay, so you got through this year and then you had those thoughts of, do you still have to keep doing this forever? What are kind of, what do you, what does you think ahead about this next year? Um, I don't know. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on, you know, that's the thing, Shabon, I can't, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't, I, 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 in my bio, I said, one day at a time just for today yeah because I start getting real ambitious and I think and I and I know how I want to answer that question I want to answer that question by saying I'm going to start working out and maybe I'm going to do a half marathon and I'm going to quit dairy and I'm going to cut out maybe I'll become a vegetarian like I have all these like really lofty goals but I, I'm going to tell myself just stop don't just today like what are you going to have for lunch and what are you going to have for dinner Thank you. Because and that's, that's why I'm what? asking that. Because I think <laughs> that's, I can't. 
I know. I can't answer that. I answered that. On, all right. I asked that on purpose because I think that's really important for people to think about just for today. Yeah. Uno, or no matter what, I'm just getting through today. And I know we, I remember again, earlier in your recovery, it was very similar to mine. You were trying to do more. Well, I also should maybe take this out. And I also should take that out. And as you were experimenting, you realized that wasn't working for us, for you. So I do just, that's why I really wanted to talk about that mentality of just for today, you know, and that's how yeah. a lot of people, you know, keep their recovery going for years and years and years and years as it's just focusing on for today and not getting too overwhelmed. And I find myself doing that too. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to sign up for yoga and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like just like reel it in Siobhan, just focus just for today. So I love that. I think that's really good advice for people, but what else, is there anything else maybe we did not get to today that you wanted to share or any just kind of last words of advice for people, you know, that are listening and, and struggling today that, that you want to, you know, say to them? I would say to reach out, to send you an email, just send, send you an email. Um, even if, you're not fully ready, just start having that conversation. Um, you're very approachable. I think that was really helpful in the beginning because it's so intimidating, it's so scary to reach out. Um, I'd also say, you know, again, kind of following the theme of just for today. So in the beginning, I leaned heavy on the sweet potato and the tortilla chips. And, and it's been really neat to reflect and look back. Um, because I don't anymore. So there, there, there's just, that's why you just have to be present. And if, you're, and if you're committed to no sugar, no flour for that day, don't worry if you overdo it in something in the beginning, just be proud because you did something really hard. And I, right now I'm looking back and I'm celebrating that I didn't overeat in the holidays. I felt great celebrating my family's birthdays it wasn't about my thoughts and my obsession with food. I was so present. I was in such a great space. Um, whether I overate sweet potatoes or a few more macadamia nuts on my oatmeal, what? That's are you kidding? Like, look at all this other stuff that I was able to accomplish. So, take it one day at a time, and something beautiful will happen. I firmly believe that. I love it. Thank you so much, Erica, for sharing your story. I really, really loved this conversation. I mean, um, so thank you for being vulnerable and willing to just give us your wisdom and advice too. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. And remember, Life is so much sweeter without sugar.